This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad you're here today. Bless all of you. Glad you made the effort to come out today. You know, one of my favorite sayings is every sacrifice is based on preference. So when you choose to honor God, God will bless you and He'll show up in your life. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hands? Get your hand up real high. We are on our second week of worship. So once you get your Bible, turn to with me the book of Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14. Now, in Psalms 20, you're going to Isaiah 14. In Psalms 29, verse 2, it says, Worship the Lord in beauty and in splendor. So what you find out that one of God's greatest desires is for people to worship Him. So we begin the second week of this, and this, this may sound like a crazy question, but what is the devil's greatest desire? Now by answering this question, you'll begin to sense the heart of what God's greatest desire is just through this. So we begin in, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 11, verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart. Now, watch these five I I will statements. Because these five I will statements right here are rooted in pride and self-centeredness. So, we see this with the devil, but as I read this, if I'm not careful, I can live a life of pride and self-centeredness also. So we take up here. Watch what he says. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. On the farthest side of the north. Now every one of those have a saying in there. He wants to be above. I want to go up. I want to be higher than God. Even the one where he says he sits on the side of the north, if you'd ever look at a compass, the north is always on the top. So literally right here, he's saying, this is my greatest desire. I want to be worshipped. Now think in this sense, this is a created angel named Lucifer. And so this created angel here, he's around God day after day, constantly. So guess what? He sees the heart of God. He sees God's greatest desire is to be worshipped and honored. But in his sense, he takes the one we're supposed to worship and honor and he says, I want this. Keep reading. I will send above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I want to replace God with what he's saying. Now, when he goes on to say every bit of this, again, his number one desire is, I want to be worshipped and I want the glory. But pay close attention at God's response in verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, the place of the dead, to the lowest depths of the pit. Again, God's got the final word. God's got the final say-so. And in verse 16, he says, To those who see you will gaze at you. And they will consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook at the kingdom? So literally what he's saying is the day's going to come 
that after this place called earth is all summed up and Jesus comes back and get his church, us believers, we're, we're going to look at the devil and say, you're the one that caused all the havoc on the earth? You, you little pipsqueak? And we say that with the name of Jesus, okay? And, and in this sense right here, uh, this is, this is um, Colossians 2.15. It says that Jesus... He spoiled principalities and powers. He made an open show of them. And so when Jesus destroyed the the demons and everything, he paraded them around heaven. And that's what's so powerful about this. He said, you know what? I've put the devil under your feet. And so again, this is what he's telling us here. Don't put up with him. Don't, Don't listen to him. So just in this saying right here, you begin to find out real quick. One of God's greatest desires is to be worshipped. Maybe his greatest. Now, I'm going to go backwards just a little bit. Look at verse number 11. There's some things I want you to see. He said, your pomp is brought down to shoal. The word pomp there literally means your might and your power. Look at the next one. Now, this is real interesting to me. And the sound of your string instruments... You know, there must be musical instruments in heaven. He said, you're stringed instruments. And so think in this sense here. The devil Lucifer was a created being, an angel. And so if God's created everything, who do you think created the string instruments that were in heaven? God did. Now, to highlight this just a little bit, if you were to study the Bible, there's three main archangels. There was Lucifer, there was Gabriel, and they were Michael. When the devil revolted, one-third of the angels in heaven went with him. If you were studying this out, Lucifer was the music director in heaven. Woo, he was over all the music. Now, that ought to give us a little bit of insight. That's why the music industry is so twisted at times. Because he was the author of that in heaven. And so when he fell, when he rebelled against the the things of God, he wanted to pervert music. He wanted to change it. The other two archangels, Gabriel, Gabriel was assigned to fulfill or to, to talk about the word of God. Biblical illustrations of that is Gabriel is the one that showed up and said to Mary, you're going to have a baby named Jesus. He's the same angel that showed up to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, and he said, this is what's going to happen. So he would fulfill the word. The last one is Michael. Michael was the angel that was overseeing the prayers. And the biblical example of that is in Daniel 10, when Daniel had prayed, and this angel showed up and said, Daniel, from the first day that I heard you pray, I came on the scene But there was a demonic entity, a devil that opposed me for 21 days. And so you know what he said? So I brought in the the, the Calvary. Michael showed up. Now Michael's bad to the bone, okay? He was a rugged dude. So again, you begin to see the history of these angels. That God created them. And through the scriptures, you'll find that out. It will say that specifically, he was created. So where the devil starts getting off... Instead of being the creation, he began to think he's the creator. That's the same as us. We're the creation. 
He's the creator. Now, look at the end of verse 11. The maggot is spread under you. It's likened to that as a bed. He's saying your bed is that of a maggot. And the worms cover you. So when he was booted out of heaven because what he did, this is how he was covered and this is where his bed will be. But listen, he wasn't always that way. So go with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel 28. And so again, just to clarify some of this, because of his arrogance, because of his desire to be worshipped, he was booted. Let me just throw this out here to you as you're turning to Ezekiel 28. Anytime I get over in pride and arrogance, I resemble the devil. That's the cologne of the devil. That's the smell of the devil. Pride is. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The only time in the Bible you'll see God ever resist anybody is through being pride, arrogant. And to a degree, you know what you're saying? I don't need you, God. Even at times in our lives when we don't go to God in prayer and ask God to help, that's out of a pride or arrogance way. So again, he said, I resist the proud. He never did say, I resist the drunk. I resist the sexually immoral. I resist the... No, but he did say that about the prideful because the prideful is the stench of the devil. Now we pick up here in Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation. And the lamentation, the message says, raise a funeral song. For the king, the king of Tyre, and he said to him, Thus saith the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection. Now literally right here, guys, he's, he's describing the devil, and Scripture will play this out. You were the seal of perfection. That's how God created him. You were full of wisdom, and you were perfect in beauty, in splendor and brightness. You were in the Garden of Eden, or the Garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. Now, I want to highlight this again because this is where we end when, in Isaiah 14, verse 11. At the end here, he's going to be covered in, in maggots and the worms. But right here, if you were to go through here and read all these different stones that he was covered, I mean, he was decked out. I guarantee you when he moved through the heavenlies, the angels knew that's Lucifer. That's Lucifer. But when I get over and become prideful and I don't worship God, then everything changes. And so look at the, the, the verse 13, but a little farther down. I'm not going to read all those jewelries. You can read them and I'd butcher them anyhow. The workmanship of your timbrels. What does that sound like? It's a tambourine. Now, this is what he's saying. He said, man, I, I made you so beautiful and I covered you. And then he said, the workmanship of your timbrels your tim and your pipes, musical instruments. So again, you see something here. He was the music coordinator in heaven. Was prepared for you on the day you were created. Specific placement for Lucifer. And God gave him an incredible opportunity. But if you'll note right there, he said, 
on the day you were created. Who do you think created him? God did. Verse 14. You were the anointed cherub or the anointed angel who covers. Again, you begin to see the word covers. Man, God, God was with him. And God said, I established you. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity or wickedness was found in you. And so right there, you begin to see that the rebellion that was in him toward God, it's what separated him. It's what got him the boot out of heaven. It goes on to say here, By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence from within and you sinned. Now listen, when he says here, by the abundance of your trading, the Amplified says, by the abundance of your commerce or the abundance of your merchandise. And so, here's, here's what that says, really. That all the things I blessed you with, you know what he decided? He decided those were his. And so, he started giving away what wasn't even his to give away. It was God's. And so he began to look at all the stuff that he had in his life and he said, I'll take some of that. But it wasn't his to give away. Remember, it said God's the one who created him and God's the one who established him. So here, here's how that looks for every one of us in this room. We're all given great talents and abilities. Every one of us in here. So I'll just go around the room and I'll use some of you as examples. You may be incredible with numbers. You may be an incredible mechanic, incredible with uh, uh, computers. You may be an unbelievable nurse. You may be able to stick that needle in in the first shot. You may have a voice of an angel like pastor. Now that's called, now there's one in agreement, that's called things that be not as though they are. You may be incredible as a hair designer. You may be an incredible teacher. The point is this, it was God's talent and God's ability that he put in you. And it's not mine to take it, and it's not mine to parade it around and say, look how incredible I am. Look at me. And so that's what he began to do. He took what wasn't his, and he said, you know what? I'll act like God. And so look what happens to him at the end of verse 16. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Poof. You're talking about the longest field goal in the history of football. I mean, he booted that dude right out of heaven. He said, you're out. So when I think about that right there, as long as I remain prideful and arrogant in my life, woo, it, it's as if God... He's kind of like this to me. But when I bow to him and I, I repent and I, I sing praises and I give thanks to him, man, I'm telling you, he becomes so attracted to us. It goes on to say, Out of the mountain of God, I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst 
of the fiery stones. And so when we look at this, we begin to see so much of, of the arrogance that is within him. And so the devil, he went to extremes to be worshipped. That shows me how big worship is in heaven to Father God. It's a big deal. But when you look at this right here, when the devil took over the, the, the lordship of this earth, which he is the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Every time a human being is born into this world, you're born with a fallen nature. I don't care who you are. Every one of us. Think about this in the terms of a young child. One of the first words they learn to say, mine. Mine. Well, who taught them that? This happened because of a fallen nature. And so in Galatians 5 verse 19, the apostle Paul tells us, that we got this thing called flesh and it's carnal. And then again in Galatians 5.24, he said, you got to crucify your flesh. And so when we come into this world, if we don't give our hearts to Jesus and continue to respond to him with a robe of humility, then I begin to look and act like the devil. I, 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 I. I want to be seen. I want to be noticed. I want everybody to look at me. And it's always about me, 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 me. And some of the symptoms of me are, do you become defensive when you're corrected? Do you become defensive when you don't get your own way? Do you pout like a baby when you don't get your own way? Because when I act that way, I'm acting just like the devil. Who got quiet in this Episcopalian church? Let me give you another example of I. We live in what we call a selfie-centered world. Now, anytime I see selfies, and I'm not a selfie, okay? I, I don't do selfies, okay? That stuff freaks me out. I better watch it, okay? I'm thinking, when you talk about these selfies again... We try to control our image. And to a degree, it's saying, look at me, look at me. Now, think about this in a selfie-centered world, these selfies. These are literally your human highlight reel. I don't know I've ever seen any woman with a selfie and she's getting out of bed and looks half dead. So again, you know what we do? We try to control our image. And, and I'm not really good in doing this stuff, but I understand some of the terminology that, that we can crop pictures. That would be like me, man, standing here with a selfie, and then we move in and we crop, and we put past with this big afro. And then we have these things called filters, where, man, we, we can look like Prince Charming on that picture, but on the inside, you're growing horns. And so again, why, why am I doing that? That's the question. Why do I do that? Ask yourself that. Why am I doing that? Is that to give me attention? And so again, some of this stuff, when I begin to read it, I think, man, I, I don't want to act like that. We, we are created to follow Jesus. We're not created to see how many followers we can have. 
Because when that starts happening, we're trying to win a popularity contest. Woohoo! Look at me, look at me. And again, I gotta be careful. Now listen, okay, I'm I'm not down completely on social media. But there's gotta be a balance. So the question is, you ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? Go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. Got quiet in here again. See, literally, you know what? N- none of us in this room would ever say, I want to be worshipped. We wouldn't come out and, and boldly declare that, but a lot of times because of my actions, my, that's what I'm saying, even though I'm not literally saying that. Ooh, look at me. I am the, the, the prettiest person. Look at the beauty. Look at, look, look at me. Why? Matthew 4, verse 8. And again, the devil took Jesus up on, the, up on an exceedingly high mountain. Now, it's interesting. Not just a mountain, and not just a high mountain, but an exceedingly high mountain. So, man, I mean, he's got him up there. And the devil says to him, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, and their glory. And so you know what he's saying here? What will a man give up for his soul? Look, Jesus, look at all that I can do for you. Verse 9. And the devil said to Jesus, all these things, you may want to highlight things, and all these things I will give you If you fall down and worship me. Now, this is a real interesting verse right here. He didn't say, if you'll just worship me. He said, if you'll fall down and worship me. So literally, he's saying, if you will bow on your knees, if you'll fall down before me and worship me. But in in Philippians 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess only to the Lord Jesus. So right here, the devil is trying to get him to exchange his worship. It's only supposed to go to Jesus. He's saying, let me have it. Let me have it. So when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, okay, he tries to mimic everything God and Jesus is. But he tries to pervert it. So if he says, fall down and worship me. Is that something God loves? I think it is. Again, he's just copying everything he's seen in heaven. And so when we see fall down, fall down is an expression. It's an action. It's something that I do that, man, I am passionate about worshiping God. Whether it's through me raising my hands, whether it's through it's clapping, whether it's through me raising my voice. And some of you say, well, not me, Pastor. My personality is I'm just laid back. I'm calm and I'm cool and I'm collected. That's just me. But yet, you're the same guy when the Cowboys score a touchdown. You are. Whoa! Whoa! And you're the same guy when there's a boxing match. You say, Mama, knock you out. You're up there and you're swinging and fighting. And you're the same one if I said here today, we're giving away a 10-day cruise to Hawaii with everything paid for completely. And the winner is 
Dylan and Mia Mathis, they wouldn't sit here. Yeah, see, ah! They'd be hugging and ripping on my coat and everything. It'd be like you winning the lottery today. I'd say the winner of the lottery, a million dollars, is Opal. And Opal would say, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry. No. She would be screaming. I'll guarantee if I was to win the lottery like that or something like that, I would be doing cartwheels. I'd be, woo, woo, yes, yes. See, again, don't tell me that. I'm too cool to worship God. Come on. All we got to do is read the Bible and you begin to see what happens here. Where he said, man, Lord, I, I want to express my love to you. I want to worship you. And this is a sad statement, but I'm going to go ahead and make it. A lot of young people, especially within the church, they think worship's a female thing. You know why? Because most men won't show any expression. Amen or oh me. And we got to watch it. Verse 10. Ooh, I'm going to get in trouble if I keep going. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, Jesus said to him, away, away with you, Satan, for it is written. Now watch this. Watch what Jesus said to him. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So you know what he just told me? Worship is not only an expression of my heart and my bowing, but to worship God is to serve God. And to serve God is to obey God and to walk with God and to live with God. So the Lord Jesus said, hey, buddy, it's not just about lip service. It's actually about the way you serve. So again, you got to put a little walkie-walkie with your talkie-talkie. It's very easy to come in and say, oh, Lord Jesus, I worship you. And then you leave and you act like the devil. Something happens here when we get a hold of the Word of God. So again, every time I serve God, God is taking notice. Every time you obey His Word, He's taking notice. He looks and says, man, look at that guy. Look at Ernest today. Man, he brings all the angels up. He said, look at him. That's how God wants us to be seen. Go with me to Romans 12. We just got a little bit here to more. Probably another hour and we'll be done. <laughs> just kidding, okay? Romans 12. Verse 1. I beseech you. I beseech, you say, what is beseech? Urge, I appeal to you. One translation says, I beg you, therefore, brethren. That would be us. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, if you'll note right there, he said, I'm to present my body as a living sacrifice. So again, that shows me, man, there's got to be things that becomes expression through me. Man, my body is a living sacrifice to God. And he goes on to say, holy or consecrated, acceptable to God, 
which is your reasonable service. So again, God pays attention. Listen to this in some of these other translations. The Amplified says your spiritual worship. The New American Standard says your service of worship. The New International Version says your act of worship. So worship is an act. The message says, now listen to this one. Take your life, your sleeping, your eating, your work, and place it before God as an offering. The, the temporary English version says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to His service and pleasing to Him. This is the true worship that you should offer. So Again, you know what it comes down to? Do, do I surrender my will to please Him? Now, it's interesting because when you use the word surrender, a lot of times we think of surrender in this sense right here. I'm throwing up the, the white flag. I quit. I give up. But that's not the sense of surrender in the Bible. The surrender of the Bible is I yield my will. I yield my heart to what he desires me to do. And I say, Father God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to live for you unlike any other time. In 1 Corinthians 15, 31, the apostle Paul said this. He said, I got to die to myself. I got to die daily to myself. Because if I don't, this, this thing called flesh, this thing called self, it'll act up. I'm going to end with this. Go with me to the book of John, chapter 9. John, chapter 9. As you're turning there, when it comes to surrender... You're free to choose. You're free to choose whatever you desire to surrender to. But you're not free from the consequences of that choice. Again, every sacrifice is based on preference. John 9, verse 31. Mm, this is good right here. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. What is that all about? Well, it's crossed to the book of Proverbs 15, 29, which says, The prayers of the sinners or the wicked are far from him, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. So this is what he's talking about right here. So we go back and we start again. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he will hear him. So think about what he just said here. A worshiper of God is one who obeys God. And when I obey God, he hears my prayers. Whew. So I begin to look at this, everything he's saying. If God tells us as, as human beings... To confess our sins. And we come before God and we confess our sins. And we ask God to forgive us. That would be like us here in just a little bit. I come to the altars to confess my sin. You know what that is? That's worship to God. You know why? You said, I'm going to obey you, Lord. Anytime we obey the word of God, it's worship to God. Now, the interesting part of that verse right there. It cross-references us back into the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16. James 5, 16 says this. 
if you will confess your faults or your sins one to another, I'll heal you and I'll forgive you. So just by me acting on that word, it's an act of worship. But for me to come before Philip, like it said, it says, confess your faults to one another. So if I confess my fault to Philip, guess what I've done? I've taken off the robe of pride. Pride says, I'm not doing that. I'm not telling him all myself. I'm not going to do it. But if I obey the word of God with what he said, I take off that robe of pride and say, Father God, it's an act of my worship. I just want to please you. And so when I did it, you know what he said? I'll heal you. I'll heal you physically. I'll heal you emotionally. But here's the next part of that verse. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So by me obeying the word of God, not only is that a form of worship, but my sins are forgiven. And not only that, he said, I would heal you. But you know what else he said? He said, because you obey that voice or that word, I give you the key to unlock prayer. And he said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man benefits much. So you know what he just said? I'll hear your prayers. I'll go to work on your behalf. So you take that whole verse when I repent. Woo, it's worship. And then because of worship to God, he says, man, come on. Come on. Let me hear your prayer requests. I want to go to work. I, I want to be a partner with you in a team. You know what happens many times? This is James 1 starting. James 1, no, no, no. 1 Peter 5. Starting about verse 5, and then you get to verse 7, and you know what he says? Cast your care upon me, for I care for you. But many times we won't do that. I'm not going to go to God. I'm a man. I got it together. And so because of that arrogance again, and you can choose that, but now you got that stuff called leave me alone cologne on, and you smell like the devil. But man, when I put on that robe of humility... You know that the, the, the one song, if the oceans cry out, so will I. That one, that one phrase in there where he says, and 10 billion failures disappear. Every time I, I sing that and I hear that, I begin to weep. Because I catch God's heart. God said, just come to me, okay? I care for you. Just come to me. Just yield to me today and surrender to me today. And so I don't don't know where you're at today. But if I'm to continually, day by day by day, crucify my flesh, then man, day by day by day, I got to come to the altar. I got to come before God. I got to come into the presence of God. I got to live for God, okay? I can tell you this right now. God doesn't bless sin. He doesn't bless sin. But he knew we would sin. And so with the, the great promise of 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins before me and I'll, I'll forgive you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.